We just like to see the boys hit it deep There's nothing like the view from the cheeks Ryan Stanzel here for the second episode of Make Glove Not War, Cheap Seats by Alabama. Is that the most underrated baseball song of all time? Maybe. It might be. It reminds me of, I don't know, 1997, 1998, my first uh, paid job in sports, Myrtle Beach Pelicans, and working in the ticket office, and all of a sudden somebody said, oh, it's raining, grab those shoes you brought, and you know it's a bad thing when they tell you to bring some shoes you don't mind getting dirty when you're working in minor league sports. The next thing you know, I'm part of the TARP crew. So I uh, love that song. Thanks for joining us today. I want to thank Thomas Nelson, our producer here at Green Screen Studios, Joe Mamas, Jimmy Salads, Dressings and Dips, as always. Uh, also, this is a Pull Tab Sports production, but we want to get right into our special guests tonight, two of them. Uh, first, I'll introduce Heather Rule, a freelancer extraordinaire. I think I've had a lot of freelance gigs in my life and... I'm nothing compared to you. Ta- tell us a little bit of the O oh, about your uh, the. You might think you're yelling at an intern online at night to twins, but you're not. You're yelling at Heather. So be nice, please. Talk a little bit about your social media game night coordinator job with the twins. Yeah, I hope we can get past the point where it's, everyone thinks it's a uh, social media intern. Exactly. There That's are, why we bring it up yes, all the time. There are. We're not. We're not interns. Um, yeah. So in-game social media coordinator uh, with the Minnesota Twins. So I typically handle. Um, Every game, road games, home games, um, Twitter is pretty much my my focus. So posting uh, lately, it hasn't been as busy, but posting, uh, you know, lineups, the final scores, videos, gifts, all that fun stuff um, on Twitter, watching pretty much every Twins game. Was there a you get a strikeout, you get a strikeout? You, no, I don't want, we won't go there. <laughs> I've <laughs> done that with hits and home runs before. Uh, the, the Oprah, the Oprah yes, voice. Yes. That's great. Heather does yeah. a great job on game nights. We love following the twins. Uh, next, I'm going to bring up Lawyer by Day, Twins Daily writer um, and big time twins fan by night, Melissa Berman. Uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, super excited to be here. I'm yeah writer for Twins Daily, like you mentioned. Um, also, big Twins fan. I think I've been to about 47 home games this year. Every time I count, I get like one off. It's either 47 or 48, but I've kind of seen it all. I've seen you know the Twins almost get no hit by Justin Verlander. I've seen grand slams and a triple play the other day and kind of everything in between. So it's been quite the season. Excited to talk about it with you both. We know Heather doesn't leave games early. Do you leave? Do you ever leave a game early? If it gets to a certain point, I do, <laughs> but I try not to. Um, for example, one of the White Sox games a, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were getting 10 run. And at that point, you know, kind of gets to be cut your loss territory. But I know Heather does not have that luxury. So no, as, <laughs> there until the end. someone who worked in sports for too long to name, um, the ability to leave a game early was like the, the biggest thing for me when I first went back. I'm like, it's three nothing in the third period. I, I, I'm going to beat traffic. <laughs> I am Mr. Beat traffic. Yeah. Ask my kid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we love to support our teams to the bitter end, but sometimes you do have to just get out. Um, we're taping this on Wednesday. So last night, um, we'll talk about last night. Uh, last night was one of the weirder Twins games you can imagine, and that's saying something. Um, it's night Rocco got tossed. Uh, for the second time in about a month after the mound visit that was or wasn't. I mean, the TV broadcast knew it was. The umpire clearly made a signal at the at the press box. Um, I don't know whose job it is in the bullpen, but he went to the mound. It, as the rule reads, it was correct. But um, I think it brings up a bigger question as far as, you know, how is how this team re- rebounds. Uh, last time he went nuts in Anaheim, they didn't show much the next few games. Um, they did rally last night. You know, this is a team... I think we've talked about leadership a lot before, but 
um, kind of still looking for somebody to be that step up and throw a table over in the locker room type guy, like maybe a Morneau was, um, you know, is he right for this team? You don't necessarily have to answer that question, but talk about, you know, his leadership style versus some other guys maybe that we've had here in the past. Uh, it's certainly different and it's, you know, the players are evolving. So the managers need to, but man, you look at it sometimes you just wonder if there's a disconnect. Heather, or, uh, Melissa, how about you first? Uh, Heather, you can start with this one. <laughs> um, well, you know, the it, what's interesting is what we've seen from Rocco the past a few times now this season, even with the ejections, is not something that we've seen from him before. And I think the last couple, in my opinion, were, you know, pretty justified. Right. Um, the, the Toronto plate, the plate, so that uh, he was blocking the plate. I think he was totally justified in that. Um, and I think that by far everyone thought okay this is what is going on like we've never seen Rocco like this right. this is he totally went full on guardy um and then in in Houston with with the mound visit um you know i think it's interesting seeing kind of the takes from people i think he was justified in that too i think ultimately you know yes you're the manager and you know it maybe falls on you a little bit but i also thought you know 99% of the mound visits um you know you're making a mound visit it's standard, you know, you go out there and this one to me was so chaotic. The benches were cleared yeah. and everything. Um, and I think it was interesting that, you know, obviously, because the umpires always signal up to the press box when there's a mound visit. They always make that very clear. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that tons of times. So I wasn't surprised when Bally, Dick Bramer, I think, caught it right away. It's yeah. like, well, they, they charged him. Well, Rocco's probably walking back to the dugout. Right. He doesn't see it. So I think it was justified in the sense that, you know, he, he talked after the game about being frustrated with the lack of communication and charging a mound visit in the first place. Also, also L2 they started. The I, whole I was going to say, let's talk about the L2 fact it was a pathetic display by the guy in the yeah. batter's box. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's, I don't know what he's upset about in, in that situation. The twins are not looking to put guys on base. Um, you know, I, I don't know what he thought was going on there. Nothing egregious. So there was kind of three different things going on there. But I, you know, I just kind of wonder if it's frustration boiling over um, sometimes in general with these ejections that we've seen from from Rocco. Um, you know, I thought what was going to be interesting the past couple of seasons after pretty much after 2020, um, you know, when there was some adversity that came into play because Rocco was the manager and they hit 300 home runs. They won a couple of division titles. You know, 2020 was the weird COVID year. But um you know, I, I think it's, and it's not all him. Sometimes I think maybe there's other piece, you know, it's, they have plenty of people in the front office probably kind of working together with him. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's, I, I certainly, I, I don't think he's gone after this year. Yeah. I don't know if people are talking about that at all. I, that's not my opinion that he's going to be gone. Yeah, I just, it's, it's interesting. I, I do think maybe they need one more leader in that clubhouse. Um, especially we'll talk about Korea. Korea's, is I think the unquestionable, you know, veteran leader. I think Miranda is going to be that eventually. But even last night, you know, Correa was over talking to Altuve instead of his own team. Now he was trying to calm him down, but that was the the other part of that was he's talking to Altuve and not his own pitcher. You know, so um, most I'm sure you were watching that last night too. What was going through your mind? Yeah, I did catch that. I thought the whole situation or what brought it on was pretty ridiculous. I mean, the fact that Altuve, you know, thought that he was being thrown at. I mean, obviously Aaron Sanchez is 
you know, a triple A pitcher, kind of journeyman guy trying to get his shot in the bigs, he's not going to self-sabotage himself by throwing at Altuve. There's no reason for that. You know, pitchers throw inside sometimes, sometimes it goes a little too inside. It happens. So, you know, it barely brushed him. It's not like it was a, a bean ball to me. Um, yeah, as Heather mentioned, definitely we've seen Rocco get ejected and have some choice words a little more than we have in past. I definitely think it's, you know, some frustration boiling over. Um, you know, definitely a little bit trying to hype the guys up, but I don't think they necessarily look for Rocco, look to Rocco for that kind of motivation. Um, I mean, traditionally, you know, obviously I would say Correa is one of the biggest leaders in the clubhouse. He's kind of um, the mentor for all the younger guys. Um, Buxton, obviously when, um, you know, he's around and healthy, he's kind of the the overall leader. Um, and as you mentioned, we did, the twins did um, rally yesterday. So I think in general, um, Rocco is kind of a diversive type. Um, he, you know, people have different opinions on him. Um, you know, I think people are not, some people are not super thrilled about kind of what they perceive to be using analytics to overmanage, especially in the, the off season. Some people um, even have a pod, have, have a podcast on a column about it. Go yeah, ahead. no, I, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think overall this season, it's kind of hard to, um, be, to uh, critical of Rocco because, I mean, just look at the mountain of injuries. I understand that every team has injuries every year, but this year I think is a little bit unusual, and it's hard to pin that on Rocco specifically. Talking about this year, uh, Heather, back to you. What were your expectations? Uh, you know, I think I wrote, um, you know, as the season was starting, I think this was a team that could definitely win win the division. I, I picked them to win the division. Of course, I picked them to win the division so I could say the Yankees would beat them. But um, I think, you know, they're probably right where I thought they'd be, a little bit over 500, that we knew the division would be a little bit weak. Um, I, you know, I thought the pitching would be the weak spot, and it was early on. But now, you know, it's kind of the strong spot, strong spot is these the, the Twins hitters are just struggling, but uh, what kind of what, what did you go think going into the season, um, and where compared to where they are now? Well, it's always interesting for me with expectations because the past few years, pretty much since I've been doing this, they've kind of done the opposite of what general expectations would be. Um, you know, they've like last year, no one thought they were gonna you know, kind of flame out early and finish last place, like like they did in the division this year. Um, you know, I I wasn't exactly sure where they were going to fall. I thought the division was going to be a little bit better than it was. I mean, not a juggernaut or anything like the AL East, but, you know, we heard about, you know, Detroit and Kansas City. I thought they were maybe going to take some steps forward, and that clearly hasn't been the case. It's been – it's not a good division, obviously. So I thought they would maybe compete with the White Sox, um, you know, for the division, but I didn't think it would be – I didn't think they would be in first place for as long as they were until they finally, you know, dropped off here here recently. Um, you know, I thought maybe they could compete and have relevant baseball into August, which they have done. I mean, mm -hmm. as frustrating as it can be, it's been a very weird year. You know, it's interesting. People ask me very casual fans or maybe not even fans at all. They just kind of see all oh, the twins are in first or they're and I kind of say, yeah, it's, you know, but it's a weird year. It, you know, they were in first place in 2019 too. This does not feel like 2019 at all, just because you're right. in first place. It's, it's a very it's been very odd. So I think the pitching was the pitching was surprising a little bit very, very early on to be uh, so good. But then, yeah, I think it's been similar to last year, too, where we've seen the lineup fall off kind of all at the same time. I, you know, we saw that happen a little bit last year at times. But again, when you're 
kind of out of it early or out of it by May or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, it's hard to really kind of critique and criticize because it's like, well, this is, you know, this is the season, but they're, they're kind of about where, you know, I, I thought they would be, but I don't think anyone saw this kind of some of the frustrations throughout the season yeah. either coming. Thinking back to April, Melissa, what, what were you thinking? Yeah. You were always positive about the twins, but what were you really thinking? Yeah, I'm positive, but I also think I'm pretty realistic too. Yeah, after last season, when obviously the twins were in the basement of the AL Central, you know, they had 73 wins um, and they traded, you know, Jose Barrios for prospects. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking, I wasn't sure how much we were trying to compete this year. Um, but that all changed when we signed Carlos Correa. That to me was a clear indication that. Um, you know, the twins were looking to compete this year. Um, as we know with his contract, he is that, you know, one year option and kind of from the beginning, the second that he signed that deal, everyone was basically saying, okay, this is essentially a one year deal for Carlos Correa. The twins don't go out and make this signing, you know, for what some people may regard as a one year deal if they're not trying to be serious contenders. Um, obviously we saw the twins be the most, probably the most active they've ever been at the trade deadline this year and really try to bolster their pitching. Obviously, with, you know, injuries that has not paid off to the extent that we wish it would so far. But, um, you know, the Twins are really, you know, making moves. It's obvious that they are trying to compete this year. Um, so, you know, my my expectations have kind of been like a midway ride at the, at the State Fair. They've kind of gone up and down and pinballed. Um, I mean, I still expect the Twins to be able to win the division. Whether or not they will is, is a question, but they definitely do have the talent. Um, to do that. And obviously, the AL Central is the most competitive uh, division race in all of baseball. Um, people might point out that it's also, you know, the weakest teams, which is which is true. But, you know, in many other divisions, there's the second place team in a lot of other divisions is in second place by double digits. And we have three teams that are all within a game or two or three. So I, I think the Twins can still pull this out and I, you know, expect them to, but we'll see what happens down the stretch here. We got to take a sponsor break, mostly because my stomach's growling. Um, so let's talk about Joe Mama's salsa here first. I have, I was told this might not be the um, hot, spicy audience. So we do have the hot and spicy here, which is the, uh, they have a few. They have the pineapple mango. I'm going to suggest the, just the Mama's original. If you'd like to try some here, we have some chips. Feel free. This is, we're friends here. We're just eating live on air. Um, Joe Mama's made in, in River Falls, Wisconsin. They're hockey guys. Many of the ingredients are sourced locally right here in Minnesota. Uh, they live right down the street from me in Woodbury. Rather than line the pockets of the big grocery brands, I'll move my big grocery brand chips away. Why not help out one of our own supporting an independent upstart like Joe Mama's? Uh, they've got Mama's Baby, which is kind of like the, you know, the, the basic uh, Mama's original, the pineapple mango, the roasted garlic uh, I've had in my house. I'm going to go have some after this uh, in my house as well. A little spicy, pretty garlicky. Um, you don't want to be near somebody in the press box, Heather, with that. And with smoking hot mama, which maybe one time we'll we'll have guests in here that can handle that. I can't handle it either anymore. So, um, anyways, feel free to grab some salsa here. I'm gonna I'm gonna have one chip because I'm the host, and then ask the next question. Somebody talk so I can. Is it so? This is medium. It's not not mild. See, I'm a very mild. Salsa person too. Or is it's, it, it's, is it, it okay? Yeah, it's fine. You're, you'll right. be good. Okay. You'll be good. Um, got another hot topic. Speaking of hot salsa, Byron Buxton. I don't want to take up too much time in this because I feel like we've beat it to death. But um, I, I saw an interesting stat on Twitter yesterday. He's gotten a hundred hits once. 
seventh year, eighth year, I think. He's making $100 million over seven years. Now, I've, I, I'm the first one to admit I've probably been unfair to Byron. We know he was hurt. We all knew he was hurt. It's obvious he's hurt. But if you're hurt, at some point, I, I said this the other day, the team has got to save the player from himself. Now we're looking at August. He's got two injuries. And all of a sudden, like, does April start to – you start to have some doubts that in April he's going to be ready and be able to play a full season. Um, Where do we go from here? You know, they didn't – they did themselves a disservice by not getting another center fielder de- deadline because they've got Byron. They've got two backups. They probably win the game Tuesday night in Houston without Nick Gordon, who's done admirably, but a normal regular center fielder makes that play. Um, Heather, start with you. What's your take on Buxton? I think the un- the unfortunate thing is, by all accounts, his work ethic is amazing, and he wants to be on the field. He he wants to be out there playing, and I think that's what's frustrating too. And I, I wonder sometimes if he, you know, our fans and people frustrated with the fact that he is injured so much, are they, you know, mad at him for being in- injured so much? You know, I think. Earlier on, there was some of the play that he could maybe try to adjust, right? Because it was he was diving for balls, he was running into walls, and that's how he was getting hurt. But I think there's also been a lot of just kind of the bad luck stuff too. Like he's gotten hit in the hand by pitches. He's gotten, you know, he's been out with that. I think he fouled a ball off his foot one time. I mean, there's been a lot of that stuff too. Um, running to first base, uh, you know, I think it was another injury he had. So I think it's frustrating, I'm sure, for him. But now hearing about this other injury, too, because I think that came as a surprise to the media and everyone, oh, that there's this hip injury that he's dealing with, which is the thing that finally put him on the right. IL this year. Um, after, you know, this, you know, they, they rest him a lot, they DH him a lot, and, you know, trying to keep him on the field. But he definitely hasn't been healthy pretty much all year. Um, so I think it, it's, to me, I sort of, I think about it in hockey terms a little bit, like in the playoffs, you know, guys just play through whatever they play through bad injuries. And I think sometimes that's great, but sometimes if it's hurting the team when you're, and I think that's where we're kind of at with Buxton. Like if you're not, if it's not a benefit to the team and obviously it's not good to be playing hurt like that anyway. um, You know, I don't know if maybe they, decide to shut him down for the rest of the season you know i, I think it's, i might not have a choice i yeah. mean who knows what that injury how how long right. it is but yeah it might be a little too early to kind of figure out okay off season you right. know is he back or is he back healthy i think you know the word chronic keeps coming up too that these are maybe some chronic things he's gonna have to do with with the knee and the hip but it's you know it's been it's been tough and the other thing too with you know he has played center field a lot but DHing him too then that lately has kind of shifted things in the rest of the lineup because if you dh him then you know geo geo um urshela is usually out of the lineup because miranda's got to play third because you got to keep his bat in there and then arise is at first you know leading the league um and hitting so that kind of messes with the lineup too when he's dhing um and it's been a little bit feast or famine with home runs this year um and so I i think it's it's frustrating because that's kind of been his He's tagged with that now as being an injury prone player, whether, you know, and I, I don't think it's his fault. You know, I right. think we're past the point yeah. where it's, oh, you got to stop doing this when you're playing right. center field. I think these are just issues and they're going to have to figure it out. And you can't, you can't tell a guy like that to stop playing the way right. he plays. I mean, right. I, I get a little fired up maybe two weeks ago. I think they're on the West Coast and there was a ball he was not going to catch a home run and he did what he does, but it was six feet past the fence and they're, 
I think those are the plays where maybe Rocco and management can sit down with them and say, like, w- those are the ones where you used to get hurt. You're doing okay now. But, like, if you're not going to get it, like, just let's, yeah. you know, make a circle. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that you – yeah. I think I remember seeing you comment on that on Twitter. And that was similar to, I think, how Kyle Garlick got hurt, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, everyone's begging for Kyle Garlick. Like, all these left – they keep facing left-handed starters. Um, and he thrives face- facing lefties. But I think – because that was that game in San Diego that they gave up like five home runs and he played left field. I think there were a couple where he, you know, I don't know if that was, it looked to me that that was where he got hurt, kind of running into a wall, trying to catch it. It was like, well, that's obviously a home run, like right. good, good yeah. effort. But, but now he's been hurt and, you know, he would have been playing um, all these games and maybe hitting a few more home runs. So. Melissa, what's your take on Buxton? Yeah, it's such a difficult situation because obviously, as Heather mentioned, sometimes, um, you know, in hockey terms, you, you know, see a lot of guys playing with injury or comes out after the playoffs, you know, how injured or how, you know, hurting a guy was. But in a 162 game, you know, regular season, it's so difficult to um, to do that. You know, it's such a long season. It really is a marathon. Um so, and as Heather mentioned, you know, many of Buxton's injuries have been kind of fluky, like being hit on the hand during a rehab assignment for something totally different, for example. Um, you know, there's no denying that when he's on the field and when he's healthy, he is a complete difference maker for the Twins. But um, lately, it's, you know, pretty evident he's a bit of a, you know, shell of what he was, you know, earlier in the season when people are, you know, chanting MVP when he was getting up to the plate. You know, at this point, he's He's not helping the team, um, you know, very much when he's in there because you can tell he's hurting. Obviously, yeah. he's he wants to and he's a you know big presence in the in the clubhouse. But, um, you know, obviously he just hit the IL and I don't know if the twins will shut him down, you know, or for the rest of the season. But um, just one other point to make is, you know, going back big picture. I mean, extending Buxton really was a deal that the twins had to make, right. in my opinion, because they have a, you know, kind of history track record of developing all these prospects over periods of years. And then as soon as it's time to pay them, they let them walk. You know, they could not do that with Buxton here. And if they did, it'd be a question of, you know, what's the what's the front office's goal here if they're yeah. letting players like Buxton walk? He so. wouldn't be hurt this year if he was in New York or anywhere else. He was in <laughs> exactly. Houston or San Francisco. Yeah. He'd, be, he'd be an MVP candidate. <laughs> and the fans would be crying crying for sure. Um, I want to talk about Ron Gardenhire. got inducted in the Twins Hall of Fame last weekend. Um, you know, we talked about Rocco earlier. Probably the most anti-Rocco, and Rocco is the most anti-Gardy. I want to, t- I want to get each of your favorite Gardy story maybe, so think about it for a second. I'll tell you mine. Um, so back in in a, in an earlier life, uh, I worked for the Minnesota Wild, and we were trying to sign two guys named Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. Um, so they sent me on a top secret message over the clubhouse, like two or three hours before the game to get Joe Mauer did like put on a Parisi Jersey said, Hey, you want to play in front of your home fans? Isn't it great? Kind of chuckled. Um, cause it might not always be that great. Right. Anyway. So I got Joe saying that like even the, the, at that point, the, the Fox camera guy, I didn't even know what I was there for. We did it. And all of a sudden Dustin Morris, the, the great, uh, twins PR guy came over and said, Hey, you want me to see if Guardy will do something for you? I'm like, yeah, I want you to see if Guardy will do something for me. Next thing he was like, come on in, come on in. So. It's me, Ralph, the camera guy, Dustin and Gardy in Gardy's office. Doors shut because, again, top secret. And Gardy does this amazing bit on why Zach should sign there. And he's got a $5 bill taped to a wall. Oh, my God. And he, he holds up the $5 bill and he's like, I know, you know, Leopold's funds are limited. There's a salary cap. Here's the $5 <laughs> bill. Come back and do batting practice with me sometime. Um, so, you know, we send the video back and 
must work because you know we got we got the two guys but maybe three days after that i got a text um from dustin 5 30 and he's like so Gardy just told that story heads up <laughs> i'm like okay not a big deal and two minutes after that the phone starts ringing because everybody wants the video now teams do not give their recruitment videos out for a variety of reasons and we sure were not so i had to make sure that tape was destroyed but it just like just showed Gardy is a, like a sports fan first and foremost he loves this town he'll do anything for it it was just it to me he's the least like manager type i've ever been around he's just the guy who i want to go out for beers with Melissa, you had anything, any, and just the, like, you know, he's a fan of, you know, Gertie, your favorite Gertie tantrum or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess my, my favorite moment or is just more of general, you know, I'm a kid of the Metrodome area. So I grew up, you know, getting dome dogs, going to games for like five bucks, sitting by the curtain in the outfield. So, um, Gertie was kind of the manager of my childhood and who I grew up watching. So, um, yeah, I just have really good memories of going, especially the playoff runs in the early two thousands. I remember getting pulled out of school in 2002 um, to go watch the twins play in the ALDS versus the the Angels. Um, Generally, my parents were not big, you know, on pulling you out of school. But hey, you know, I remember going to that game. I don't remember, you know, I wouldn't remember what I was uh, doing in school that day if, you know, whatever. So um, yeah, so I, I, you know, he's just very uh, nostalgic for me in general. But also the twins ran a bunch of commercials in the early 2000s kind of the this is twins territory um so one of them that features Gardy is one called natural habitat which features Gardy um kind of explaining that you know tc is a bear he's meant to live outside and it kind of shows uh you know tc scrounging around like the metrodome concession stands and, and all that kind of stuff it's pretty funny so um yeah just overall yeah i really kind of looked up to him as a kid awesome heather what about you Similar to to what Melissa was was talking about with just kind of the nostalgia, really. And um, I think it was 2000, I think the 2006 ALDS when they played Oakland, it was the game they gave up the inside the park home run at the Dome, but I skipped out on, I think, one of my college classes to to go to that game. So, you know, um, and the 2006 team, I will say that was the one that probably hurt the most that they didn't uh, advance um, in the playoffs and got swept. but yeah, similar with just kind of the nostalgia factor. I mean, I, you know, Tom Kelly was the manager. Obviously, I knew kind of all about the the history there and, and the championships and, you know, went to games at, at the Dome when he was managing. But I wasn't really a serious um, sports fan or follower at that point, not until really Gardy. I think it was Tom Kelly's last season was when I really started to get into it more. And so just Gardy, just kind of that era was what I sort of grew up with watching. Yeah. Um, so just the nostalgia of that and... Um, you know, it's not, it's not really my story, but I was glad to see, um, Lavelle, uh, Enil had put it in his column recently in the Star Tribune when he was writing about Gardy, um, the story from, I think spring training 2011. And one of the reporters asked if Jose Maharas, uh, one of the relief pitchers was in shape for spring training and Gardy responds, he's in a shape. <laughs> um, so that was, uh, and that's just, that's one of those stories I've heard, you know, told a little bit just kind of the sense of humor and um i I think i was reminded of some of that too with the hall of fame ceremony over the weekend just seeing how you know kind of the the pranks and you know the sense of humor he he had but yeah it was just you know really kind of the nostalgia of growing up with you know him and the the piranhas as they were (laughs) dubbed for a while too speaking of nostalgia another sponsor break this is an we have a new minnesota company and we have a kind of a legacy minnesota company really jimmy's 
We have their smoky, the the holy smoke dip, which is my favorite. It's good for kids too. My daughter probably had more of it than I did. Um, you know, Jimmy, Grandpa Jimmy, considered a mad scientist. Started out with, uh, you know, a few recipes. Now he's pretty much everywhere at the grocery store. Third generation family company run in rural Stewartville, aka Hooterville, Minnesota. You'll find them right next to the grain elevator. Uh, they employ 70 people in Southern Minnesota. When you pick up Jimmy's, you're sporting a family business right here in Minnesota. And I will definitely do this right now. So I'm going to be a pro this time and ask the question before I start eating. Um, again, I don't want to take up too much time on, on Carlos Correa, but I, he's got 39 RBI. Saw that last night in the broadcast. He's a great leader. He's batting 270. This this is a guy screaming, it's my time a, a year and a half ago. Um did it feel like a wake last night in Houston at all for him, by the way? Like it felt like he was going to lie in state. I mean, it was, I understand he has a, he has a huge, um, you know, they did a lot with him there, but man, that was a lot. Anyways. Um, can he even, can he get a better contract somewhere else next year? Like that's gotta be on his mind too, but man, it's a complicated situation moving forward with him, Heather. Yeah. I think that that's been the interesting thing is lately there's been more and more talk or just kind of chatter well is he gonna opt out maybe he's not because he can't get more money and then you hear about well yeah because there's other you know short stops that are gonna be out there on on the free agent market uh, next year too um, that he's gonna be competing with and you look at you know 35 million dollars he's he's making this year um it's it's been a little disappointing at times i will say you know he i was thinking back last night i mean he had a slow start to the season as well which i think was maybe not something that's too out of the ordinary. Um, but it was a slow start. And then he went, he got hit by a pitch. Um, I think in the hand, spent some time in the IL. He was on the COVID, COVID. IL earlier on too. Um, so just, you know, a little bit of that kind of, and I think when he got hit by the pitch, he was finally starting to hit a little bit and kind of figured out the plate. So of course he gets hit and has to um, go in the IL. But, um, you know, he hasn't had the signature moment either people have kind of touched on that a little bit with you know they've lost a few extra innings here recently and he's had his chances um i looked up there were a couple games from a while back 10th inning they had two guys on um here at target field and he strikes out for the first out you know he's had he's been up in the bottom of the eighth bottom of the ninth he's it's not like he hasn't been at the plate with those opportunities he just hasn't been the one to get that big hit and then you look at a guy like Jose Miranda, he's been responsible for a couple of the walk-off wins. And he has, was I think, 54 RBI now. Uh, he's behind Polanco, I think, by one. And he's played a lot less games. So it's, you know, I think defensively it's been amazing. Korea's done a great job there, um, especially when you look at having, you know, we had Simmons here before um, who had some lapses uh, at times. But I think Korea's been great defensively, I think offensively fans kind of want to see a little bit more um and especially when the lineup is overall struggling you would like to see him be the guy to mm. kind of step up and carry over that leadership that you know we hear about in the clubhouse which i think is also important and good to have carry that over to the field and get the big hit you know get a big hit with renders in scoring position or you know be responsible for a walk-off i mean i will say you know obviously if buxton's hurt that's one less dangerous body in the lineup um Raya's is great and usually, you know, bats ahead of, ahead of him, but Correa and you've got Gary Sanchez batting behind you for part of the year and you've got whoever Urshel will bat and clean up sometimes there's no protection behind you. So, you know, it's, it, you don't always see a lot of good pitches to hit, especially with the runs on base. I do want to move um, off Correa for a second because I, I don't want to go too long with you, you both. Uh, let's talk about um, the next 
six weeks of the season, five weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks. It remains to be seen. But um, the single squad, as I always call them, which is, you know, unfortunately, it's a lost art, but you got to be able to move those players along as well. But um, Melissa, we'll start with you. You know, in this era of analytics, can the single squad make a run in the playoffs and how deep? Yeah, I am a big uh, Timberwolves fan, and obviously Kevin Garnett said this as a Celtic, but anything is possible. Um, we mentioned the the piranhas of the early 2000s, the short game. Um, you know, I certainly think that the Twins could make a run with not being home run dependent. Um, obviously, in 2019 with the Bomba squad year, we kind of saw how um, well that paid off for us in the in the off season when you know our pitching was kind of flaming hot and our you know run production kind of. Uh, petered off even though the twins you know were so good uh with the extra base hits the whole season um yeah i mean i think the twins issue right now is just they are so bad at, uh with runners in scoring position and there are so many players getting you know left on base so it's not even for me like the you know the long ball necessarily it's just they're not getting the clutch hits they're not uh producing you know in in clutch situations so um I think they definitely could you know I mean obviously before you know at the beginning of the season um you know they were they were doing pretty well with hitting so uh, hopefully they can keep that up 2019 year they also I mean they started smelter in game three of the playoffs like they you know I was at that game just saying um <laughs> watching the Yankees and the and the twins, but you know, they true. They were built totally around home runs and those can be shut down a little bit easier than, than manufacturing runs. Um, Heather, what about you? What do you think? I, you know, I think there's, there's something wrong with, you know, the, the approaches of guys like arise or, or Miranda too, especially we've seen, you know, knocking in a, you know, just a blue single to center or, you know, to right field, whatever it is. Um, I, I think, they can rely on that. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing. And especially when you get into the playoffs, you're talking about um, a lot of good pitching from that you're going to be facing from right. whoever the opponent is. And so I think a lot of times you do see lower scoring games. So they're going to have to find that way to drive runners in when they can. Um, maybe steal a couple more bases if they can. Nobody that can steal they a can base. Nobody. Um, Nick Gordon tries his darndest sometimes. Um, it doesn't always work out for him. But, you know, um, yeah, I, th- and the home runs too, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's something you can rely on. But I think it's the idea too of taking some some competitive at-bats uh, at times. Um, you know, these they struggled in the Texas series and there was a point in the game. I was kind of looking at, at the outs they were making. I'm like, have they gotten a ball out of the infield? Yeah. But you know, they were making contact versus like facing Verlander um, in Houston. They were just, <laughs> no you, you know, there wasn't a lot of contact. Um, but, you know, just kind of rolling those balls over to second base and um, you know, ground balls for, for outs. Um, you know, I think being able to drive, you know, even doubles sometimes, you know, hit a double down the line or, I think just being able to play that version, figure you know, figure out how to get runners over, how to drive them in. You know, it's not necessarily going to be about the home runs, especially when you get into that um, into the playoffs. If they make it there with so much good pitching that you're you're going to be facing, you're looking at you know three to one, two to one games, not eight to seven. The shift has killed Major League Baseball in general. Let's just admit it. Yeah, um, I agree. It's especially hurt a team like the Twins, who I mean, outside of, I I love Alex Kirilov. Um, who hopefully have a great year next year, but for a lot of reasons. But he's got no problem shooting it on the right, down the left field line and running to first base. Like he's, but 
they're a they're a, a, he might be the only one there are not very many players willing to do that um and it cuts down your you know your doubles for a guy like arise because there's somebody standing where that double would normally go you know the loop into, into the gap in the right center with a little bit of speed there's somebody standing there so um strategy is great but that it whatever i'm old yeah, i'm a dinosaur shift. no i i always smile a little bit when when any player even an opposing player sometimes you know beats a shifting it's you know rolls yeah. a single through the left side where nobody's standing because they're all on the right side i'm like yeah, let's see you know i just it, want aaron it, judge it, it to bunt once done. i just wanted to bunt <laughs> might be the best hit they've had in the last month but anyways uh, my team's not very good right now my other team um final question this is a surprise to each one of my guests um nothing too controversial uh heather yours might be but uh first of all we'll start with you heather tell me uh where they can find you on on twitter uh and then what's the best target field marriage proposal you've seen i know you're really a big fan of the marriage proposals oh, yes. yeah, so best may be the worst if you'd rather bit. yeah um so tell us where we, where we can find you and also about the best uh best or worst marriage proposal you've seen um so i'm at hl rule h-l-r-u-l-e on twitter um yeah, the marriage proposals. That's something I I started a few years ago. I I track like how many you know when they were how many I I think it was 2019 they had a bunch of them actually. And then I think since COVID it sort of struggled to to come back a little bit. But um, there was one I think the uh, the scoreboard graphics you can always write something up there. Um, I think it said something like you know it's been 10 years and it was very anticlimactic. It's like. I forget the exact words after that, but it was sort of like, you know, you know, it's been 10 years. You want to go down to the courthouse? Yeah, you want to go down and do this. Um, And then there was one at just uh, the other night at the last homestand. Um, The guy, I had looked up and I saw, because, you know, in between innings, you thought, okay, they're just waving at the scoreboard. Um, So I'd look back down and then I saw the graphic pop up because usually you can see the guy and he'll start to, you know, get down on one knee. And he sat in his seat the whole time and just kind of leaned over and like held a ring box out and just kind of, and she seemed very surprised, very, very emotional. And she actually stood up first, I think. And then he stood up after her. So that was very awkward. Um, but she at least looked like she was happy and emotional about it. There are plenty where the women do not look thrilled and I don't blame them. I don't. Are you listening? Yeah. Men of, I, 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 men of make love, not war yeah. fandom, all dozen of you. Yeah, so there's there's been a lot like that where the women are kind of like, oh, and and it's hard to tell if it's because they don't want the proposal or they don't want the proposal right. in that public venue. And once in a while they'll throw in like a fake one, and that just you know, yeah, I think we're past so, most of those. But yeah. one funny thing I noticed a month, I think it was about it was about a month ago, but they have the scoreboard in right field that kind of scrolls through messages, and it was a I was at a day game I believe, but one of them came up. I don't remember the girl's name, but it was something like. Katie, like it's been a great like two months. Like, will you be my girlfriend? And I've never seen anything like that before. So, um, yeah, someone obviously paid money for that. So. <laughs> Promposals yeah. next yeah, to yes, Target Field at that time of the year. Uh, Melissa, same similar question to start. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter? And then your favorite unit forty seven games. Favorite place at Target Field to watch a game from? Yeah, so I'm at Melissa underscore Berman on Twitter. Um, and I would say my favorite place to watch games at Target Field is just along the third baseline. Um, whenever I go to Target Field, I try to be on the you know right field or that part of the stadium because I love being able to see um, the city skyline, uh, the target dog wagging his tail, um, just the whole the whole cityscape. I think is beautiful. So um, I'm not one of those people that has to be you know near the 
um, twins dugout. I think once the the twins moved to target field, kind of that first baseline or that part of the stadium became kind of a premium. Um, for me, I just love being able to see the, the city skyline. So you'll usually find me on that part of the stadium. And, and how nice is it too, when you're sitting down the third baseline, that the seats face home plate, they're, they're angled. That is the biggest thing I noticed when I, I sat down there a few games um, earlier on. And it's so much better than the Metrodome, yes. which is built for football, <laughs> as we all know. And you're facing, you're sitting on the third baseline and you're facing like the center fielder. You, all have, you have to turn your neck to see home plate. That is, that is one of the best things that I think about sitting down the third base also better for field. those screaming line drives i've never caught a foul ball i'm however many years old never caught a foul ball one came Still in the me. one came in the press box you're about uh, the only one that hasn't that hasn't caught one yeah this year. i i didn't catch it but it you know landed at my seat area so <laughs> i'm uh, yeah i'm not i I need a glove to be able to catch it. First yeah, of all, I don't. So. If, if you bring a glove to the press box, you're going to get all sorts of rattling yeah, from some people. No, so you can just not bring leave a glove. No. Um, well, I think we've neared the end of our time. I want to thank uh, thank Heather Rule, thank Melissa Berman both for your time today. Thank Thomas Nelson, our producer again. Green Screen Studios here, right off 280 in University. Jimmy's Salads and Dips, Joe Mamas, uh, Pull Tab Sports, John King and Tom Garrity. You guys rock. Uh, Garrity, sorry, I missed you at the office uh, when I stopped by to get this sponsor product earlier this week. Um, we, I think we've done enough. Hopefully I'll see you for an episode three and thanks for listening.